Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. That's brilliant. Well, this morning's great. We've got visitors, we've got friends, we've got relatives. (laughs) And for those of you who don't know, this is our eldest daughter. Yeah? Natalie. And uh, it's great to have Natalie and John and the children here this morning for Sue and I and for Tanya and for Charlene. It's great to have them around. They're not always around. And uh, they live near Cambridge, uh, a place called Sandy, Bedford, Shire. (laughs) Um, A place called Sandy. I took a picture of the name place and brought it back and showed it to Sandy when I was there last time. And he's got a town named after him. <laughs> in fact, when we were in the States, uh, just as a matter of uh, information, we went to this place, didn't we? And we saw a street. And the signpost was Dr. Phillips. Which <laughs> is quite amazing. Anyway, that's by the by. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you've been here the last few months, we've been looking at spiritual gifts, don't you? And we've been encouraging you to launch out and to step out a step of faith to begin to use the gifts that God has given each one of us. And uh, I've been getting some good stories back from one or two of you. And it's great because we're going to get you in the next weeks and months to tell those stories, to encourage all of us to begin to tentatively step out and use the spiritual gifts that God has given each one of us. And Natalie goes to a church called King's Church. King's Arms, it's a pub. (laughs) 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 You want a drink, go to the King's Arms. Um, uh, King's Arms in Bedford, all right? And uh, they've been encouraging their folks to to launch out in spiritual gifts and so forth. And they've begun, maybe they're a few steps ahead of us. So I, when Natalie was telling me some of the stories and so forth, I said, why don't you come and share one or two of the stories uh, with our folks? So uh, she's going to do that, and then we're going to look at something uh, after Natalie's finished. Hello. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, For me, one of the ways that God speaks to me um, is usually, because I'm quite a visual person, it's usually through a picture. So um, quite often when I'm praying for people or, you know, just praying about situations in my life, God will give me a picture that's usually quite prophetic and that helps me in that situation or helps that person. Um, But recently I was um, really challenged at church and our church is quite dynamic in that they're quite good at pushing people into doing stuff that's a bit scary. And... um, um, I lead once a month the age two to three-year-old group and it's always a bit crazy because there's two services in our church, quite a big church, and there's lots of children. And um, most of the time in that group, it's a little bit crazy because the kids are struggling to settle and they're all a bit upset because their parents are leaving them. And um, and yeah, they and some of them just go around bashing each other on the heads, and it's all a bit crazy. But um, so I, my expectations actually were quite low for that, as in teaching was quite low. I just thought, well, you know, you can just get by, put a few toys out, and survive the morning. <laughs> um, but actually, um, God was be- speaking to me in my own time about 
you know, this was an opportunity that maybe God could be using me more in this situation, even though they're little kids, God still wants to do stuff in their lives. Anyway, um, I looked at the rotor, saw, oh, I'm on next week, what's the material, looked up the material, and it was on prophecy. And I thought, oh, no, prophecy with (laughs) two-year-olds. This isn't going to go well. And um, the idea was to do object prophecy. um, And if any of you have done that before, that basically means um, getting random objects and putting them out. And then just praying and asking God to speak through the object. So it might, you know, it could be anything. It could be simple. Um, But using those objects as a point of focus. Um, And anyway, I thought this isn't going to go well with two-year-olds because they'll just start throwing them around the room and they're not going to sit down for two minutes. And um, But actually, I prayed about it. I said, God, you know, this is an opportunity. Please use me and, you know, I'll go for it. And anyway, the um, service started, kids piled in, and actually they all settled really well. All the parents went, and it was quite easy. I thought, oh, man, I'm going to actually have to do this now. (laughs) Um, And so I put the objects out. Some of the children picked up objects, um, and I just actually just thought, I just wanted to observe them playing with the objects, talking about the objects. And God actually did start to speak to me about some of the children specifically. So I started to write down some notes and stuff. Um, and then I went, uh, went home and prayed about each of the children. And God gave me some really amazing words that, would, that I just never thought I would get. But it was from totally God. Um, about these children and I wrote them out I drew some pictures and I gave them to the parents and one of them in particular um, was a little girl and she picked up a camera and she was going around the room taking photos and I really felt God tell me that this little girl um, had a real spiritual gift of um, that she was going to have a spiritual gift of discernment and that she had a real um, inquisitive naturally inquisitive nature and um, and that God was going to use that in her life um, as well as her compassionate heart. Um, and that as she took these little snapshots, she was observing people and, and God was going to use her. Yeah, anyway, it was a long one. <laughs> and um, And I gave it to the parent and the parent said, oh my goodness, I can't believe you've, you've had this word because before Lois was born... Um, God told us that we were going to have a child with these gifts and this same prophecy match, matches what we were told before she was even born. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. Thanks, God. <laughs> um, yeah, so, um, but anyway, and then another story that I was telling Dad about. Um, I've got this really brave friend called Vicky and she's brilliant. She's not loud or anything, but she's just really brave. She's got this real spiritual confidence. And um, she's very good at just going around her normal everyday life. And if she sees an opportunity where she thinks God could use her, she will just grab it. Even though she's petrified inside, she'll do it. But So I really, she's really, really somebody I look up to. And um, anyway, recently she told me a story where her neighbour was out on the street. Um, they live in a semi-detached house and they were both out in the front doing a bit of gardening and they were chatting and she said, um, 
she just my friend Vicky said oh is your little girl okay because I can hear her every night through the wall crying like till quite late at night is she okay and um, her neighbour said oh no we're having all these problems because she can't sleep she's scared of this scared of that and having these nightmares and we've tried everything we've sort of seen a counsellor and blah. and Vicky felt really stirred to say I'm a Christian I would love it if I could pray for your little girl. Like, can I even come into her room and pray? Because I really believe that, you know, prayer can do amazing things. And um, and the neighbour went, yes, I'll try anything. Yes, please, come, come round. So she let her into the house and said to Vicky, you just get on with it. I'll go downstairs, make a cup of tea. <laughs> and Vicky just, like, prayed around the room. She touched the pillow. She touched the bed. She lay on the floor. She was, like, really anointing the room, really praying that God's spirit would fill it and that the little girl would have this peace. And... Um, and then Vicky went home and Vicky thought, oh, I don't know if I prayed well enough. I don't know if I said the right things. Oh, God, please do something. I really want an opportunity with my neighbour. And then, anyway, a couple of days later, Vicky saw her again and said, How, how's it going? How's the sleep going? And, um, and she said, oh, my goodness, it's amazing. Whatever you did in there worked because she's just sleeping through the night. She's had no nightmare. She's had no bad dreams. She's not scared. And she said, I forgot to ask you, but did you put glitter all over her bed? Because the next, when I went in to check on her in the night, she was sparkling and there was glitter everywhere. And Vicky was like, mm, no, I didn't put glitter anywhere. <laughs> and she, she was like, oh, well, that's a bit weird. That's, that's quite weird, isn't it? Um, and then a couple of weeks later, Vicky checked in with her again and said, how's she sleeping? She was like, yep, still sleeping really well. And she went, and do you know what's weird? The glitter's back. <laughs> and she said, it's really weird. The glitter's come back. And Vicky was like, brilliant. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my story. That's great. Okay. Thank you, Natalie. Okay. We're going to look at a few verses this morning and uh, really just following on uh, from what Natalie's been sharing and what we've been looking at these last number of months. But let me just read the verses first of all. It's from 1 Samuel 17. And it's the story of David and Goliath. Uh, you know the story of David and Goliath, don't you? Thank goodness for that. <laughs> Lord, I've got the long crowd here. <laughs> I've got the right folks. That's good. Uh, you nearly threw me there. Uh, <laughs> I thought I'd turned up in the wrong place. Uh, <laughs> um, and you know, don't you? You know about David and Goliath. You know how the Philistines were gathered and uh, coming against the people of God, children of Israel. And they had this man mountain called Goliath, which was, you know, scaring all the, the soldiers of Israel sort of... Uh, we're just scaring them. I'm not going to say anymore. And, uh, and uh, down from the mountains, down from the hills, comes this little plonker called David. And, uh, and uh, 
he comes along and the brothers think, oh, you know, he's here and so forth. Anyway, we're going to read just a few verses because you know the story, don't you? Okay. And uh, Saul said to David, King Saul, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you're just a youth and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose, when it arose, and when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. (laughs) So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk. You just picture it. For he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I can't walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had and his sling was was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine and you know don't you what happened after that okay these were pertinent verses because those are particularly the thoughts that I want to look at uh, this morning and uh, I've entitled this morning what suits you. What suits you? And what I'm going to share will become obvious as we go through. I just want to share a few thoughts really on these verses and in particular, and this, sorry, this story and in particular these particular verses that we've looked at. Philistines had gathered. David was there. David arrives on the scene to fight for the Israelites. Didn't realize it when he was on his way. But it became obvious when he saw Goliath that he previously had looked at bears, conquered them, lions, conquered them, and now this huge Philistine was there. And you know what? It just came to my mind when I was preparing. Never be intimidated by your opposition. Every one of us has got opposition because the enemy comes against us in different ways, at different parts of the day, the week, the month, the year. He comes against us. In op- opposite us. Never be intimidated by the gathering of your opposition. The opposition only tell you that God is about to do a miracle. Think about it. The Philistines gathering. The children of Israel petrified. Down comes from the mountain, from the hill comes David. Not realizing what he's coming to. And when he sees that all the opposition, there was a miracle in the making. And when you see the opposition coming against you, don't be petrified. Think about it. The God who was there for you in the past will be there for you in your future. The battles that you've won in the past will be won in the future. And David realized this. So never be intimidated by the gathering of your personal opposition. 
it tells you, and if the children of Israel had realized this, they were looking at Goliath, looking, looking, looking at Goliath, thinking, oh, I'm scared stiff. If only they had looked in the opposite direction, they would see the answer from God coming towards them. Think about it. They had their eyes on Goliath, petrified, visualizing what he was going to do to them. If only they had turned around and looked towards the mountain, they would have seen God's man coming towards them. And many of us have to stop looking at your opposition and get looking on who's on your side. And if, if I, I just say that this morning, you've heard something that really you can take home and work with. Okay? Just get your eyes off the problem and get your eyes onto the solution. Okay? And uh, the Philistine army are gathering in the valley, but God's answer was coming from the mountaintop. <laughs> Where should we be if we want the answers? The mountaintop, not the valley. And our problem is usually we don't recognize God's provision. We don't appreciate it. We don't honor it. And David's brothers and everyone else who they would influence saw David coming and thinking, oh, what's he doing here? This is all we need. And yet it was God's answer. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. God will use the puny, the things that we despise to bring the answer to the problem that we are facing. So don't have your eyes on the opposition. Have your eyes on who's on your side. Goliath in the valley, David coming from the mountaintop. God's enemies are spiritually in the valley. God's answers come from the mountaintop. Check out Moses, Ten Commandments. Check out Peter, James, and John. Check out Elijah, 1 Kings 19. The Lord tells him to meet him on the mountain top. If you go to the mountain top, you'll get the solutions for the valley. Problem is, we don't. We scramble around in the valley looking for answers that we'll never find in the valley. The answer is on your own personal mountain top. And the spiritual air is different in the mountains than it is in the valley, isn't it? You go up the mountains in Switzerland or somewhere beautiful, France or wherever like that, you'll suddenly realize there's a change in the air. Well, when we go up to the mountaintops, there's a spiritual air change. And down from the hill comes David with a spiritual depth that the people of Israel did not have. A spiritual depth that Saul could only dream of, that Saul had left long ago. Here comes God's man, a man after God's own heart. If you want to be a person after God's own heart, spend time alone with him. So we have a physical giant called Goliath. We have a spiritual giant called David. And lots of us have physical issues, physical problems, physical giants that we face, illness, health, relationships, money, whatever it is, all these spiritual giants, physical giants, sorry, physical giants, the answer is not another physical giant. The answer is a spiritual giant. And so David comes down from the hills, 
And that provokes questions from his own brother Eliab. Asked him, why did you come here? What are you doing here? Who's looking after these few sheep that you're responsible for? You're so proud. You're so insolent. This is his own brother. Maybe brothers have said things to you, or sisters, or parents, or whatever, or children. And King Saul said to him, you're not able to go against the Philistines. You're too young. And then finally, when they allow God's answer to work for them, they try and put on him a suit, and this is what we're going to look at, a suit that does not fit. And that's what I want to look at this morning. In your life, God has given you a suit that fits. A suit that fits you. You are gifted. You are experienced. You are trained for your assignment. Your own personal assignment. And every spiritual gift is suited for its user. Every spiritual gift is suited for its user. It's not a mistake. He didn't give you a gift by mistake. Your background is not a mistake. Your personality is not a mistake. Your talent is not a mistake. Your temperament is not a mistake. Your education is not a mistake. Your gifting certainly is not a mistake. It has been given to you. And God doesn't give you things by mistake. He doesn't say, sorry, wrong envelope. You sh- no, sorry, it wasn't a gift of prophecy. It was the gift of giving. I'm sorry, I got the wrong envelope. No, God gave you your gift and none of it was a mistake. So what we have to come down from is our mountain of experience and come down into the valley to put into practice the gifts that God has placed in us. And it's suited to you. So when you come down and face the battle God's got for you, be yourself. Do you know what I mean? If, just be yourself. Be real. Be true to what God's placed in you. So as a, just as an extreme example, if you feel you've got the gift of healing, you don't need to buy a white suit. Okay? Someone else has done that. They've got the suit covered. They've got the white suit covered. Understand? You don't, if you feel you've got the gift of evangelism, you don't need to buy a white suit. Start with where you are, who you are, and what suits you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Your circumstances aren't a mistake. What you've gone through, God will use every failure and every success. Understand? That's the brilliant thing about watching this story, looking at this story with David. And the breakthrough in your ministry and your gifting, your spiritual gifting, is linked to you being you. So you might think, do you know, I think I could teach. I think I could preach. You don't have to get a pair of jeans and a check shirt and a Scottish accent. Okay? You do, I've got that covered. <laughs> do you understand? You can be you. 
Be yourself. Just our success is linked to us being ourselves as a church. You know, Christians have the tendency, as people in their world, if you want to call it that, have the same tendency to fit into trends and fashion and different trends in society. People fit into that trend. Well, Christians fit into trends. So there's a certain way to do church. And they down the road are doing church that way. And they're seeing some sort of success. We need to be doing that. Let's try on their suit. You understand? A certain leader that we look up to, I've got to be him. If you go to a Bible college, you'll find that the students come out preaching like the principal. Because they've been learning and learning and learning and they pray in a certain way, and they preach in a certain way. Whatever, whatever the principal and, the, and the, the teachers and the lecturers were doing, they start to copy them, you see. But we need to do what suits us. Saul's suit was the armor that Goliath was wearing, some sort of smaller version of that. Look at David, God's man. Hardly suited and booted, is he? Hardly suited and booted. Yet he was God's answer. You are God's answer the way he has created you to be. Gifted you to be. Talented the way you are. Because a jigsaw is made up of however many parts are advertised on the box. 500-piece jigsaw, 1,000-piece jigsaw, 2,000-piece jigsaw. What would happen if you put all the bits on the table and you looked at them and they were all the same piece? <laughs> you understand? You think, this is never going to create anything. This is never going to create a picture. Because each piece of the jigsaw of the 1,000 pieces, 500 pieces, however many pieces it is, is unique, different, but fits in perfectly to the picture that God has placed them into. You're gifted in a certain way for such a time as this. So you don't need to be me, you don't need to be Dave, you don't need to be Natalie, you just need to be you. You get that? Yeah? Just be yourself and let God flow through us. And let his gifting just rise up within us. Each piece of the jigsaw is unique. There's, there's only certain pieces that are outside pieces. But every single piece is valuable. And if you don't believe that, try and do a jigsaw where you're one piece missing. It's the most frustrating feeling. You maybe bought it from the Love Pressing charity shop. And you're, you're thinking, I'm going to do this jigsaw and you put it all out on the table, you take hours to do it, and then you realize one piece missing. And everybody who comes to look at the picture, what do they look at? The one piece that's missing. You could be the one piece missing in this church. The one piece that would just complete the picture. You understand? Not looking for a duplicate of any other piece, just looking for you to be all that God's created you to be. Winning is running the race that's your race. 
Don't try and win somebody else's race. They're responsible for their race. You know, the summer of 2012, we had the London Olympics, didn't we? They're celebrating it down south at the moment in the rain. Down south in the rain. Uh, (laughs) Down south in the rain. Just say that again. I believe God's got something for us there, down south in the rain. Uh, And we celebrated the London Olympics, and they're celebrating them just now, the remembrance of them and so forth. And all the athletes came from all over the world, didn't they? Making their way to London to compete in arguably the greatest competition in all the world. Every single country represented. Every sport virtually covered. Years spent training and conditioning and practicing and whatever for their big moment. And all of them had the same desire, the same dream, and the dream was to win. Yeah? To win. No one came to lose. No one had the desire to fail. Years of hard labor, discipline, sweat, everything, heading for London to win. Taking part was honorable, but winning was everything. That was their focus, their plan, their dream, to come to London to win. Well, life can be like an Olympic Games. It can be like an Olympic Games. We have the chance to prepare, to sacrifice, to set goals, to discipline ourselves. But we fail to do these things sometimes for the race that we are running in. And sometimes we just turn up for the race overweight, untrained, undisciplined. And God says, give yourself a chance to win. You're going to have to break sweat if you're going to win your race. And when you were born, I've said this so many times, you were born for a purpose. That little baby there in the arms was born for a purpose. And Sophie gives birth in the next day or two. That baby will be born for a purpose. Not a mistake. Your parents may think you're a mistake. You are not a mistake. Not a mistake. You're never a mistake. Not when God's in control. You were born for a purpose, born for a reason. You were born to win. You were not born to lose. You were born to win. But for you to win is going to require you and me to break sweat. It's going to require endurance. It's going to require resilience. And all the other attributes you see an athlete using. There are going to be hurdles, pitfalls, injuries to cross over before you reach the finishing line. But when you can, Obama, yes, we can. Yes, you can. Yes, I can. God didn't enable me to be born into this world to lose. And what's true of me is true of you. You're a winner. Deep down, you're a winner. And some people may think, oh, you're disguising yourself as a loser. As they saw David. Here comes this loser. Get back to where you belong. And when you start practicing and releasing your spiritual gift, the enemy will say, what are you doing? What sort of gift do you think this is? 
you should never practice this gift. And all the opposition in the valley are coming against you. But remember in the valley what God has said to you in the mountaintop. So often we come from the prayer meeting. We come from our own time with God. And we, and we have listened to what God said. And we make our way down from the mountaintop to the valley. And we get to the valley. And what do we hear? Boom, 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 the chatter of all the people in the valley. And we forget to believe and release what God has said in the mountaintop, and we start to act in the valley like the people of the valley. But we're not people of the valley. We're people of the mountaintop. You are a winner. And I was reminded this week of when I was at school many years ago, and I'm sure at school they don't do this now, uh, but they certainly did it then. And what they did, we'd have about 40 in the class, 40 kids in the class. And uh, top, as you looked at the class, if you were the teacher, over here in the top right was the brainiest person in the class. I still remember his name. David Brash. That was his name. David Brash with fuzzy hair. And, uh, and from David, right down this line, and then, down the, then up the next line, and down the next line, and up the next line, and down the line. All of that were put in order of intellect. Broke every rule that you would think was good these days. So David Brash was up in the top right, and all the way down, until eventually you got to me. No, that's not true. <laughs> eventually you got to Laurie. And I can't remember Laurie's second name. Hope they, hope they're not listening to this podcast. And Laurie was the bottom of the class. You imagine how Laurie felt. And every time, maybe I think it was once or twice a day, twice a year, we had moving day. And moving day was like the, in golf. They talk about moving day. You start the, the good players start to come through, you know. But moving day was when you just set, sat an exam and you sat this exam and the teacher had decided where you were in the class, you see? And so moving day was you got all the stuff that was in your desk, dead or alive, for, particularly for boys, you know, and chewing gum and all, all these sort of things and things that have been begun to be fisted and, you know, <laughs> that sort of stuff. And you gather that all and you move up or down. Or you may just stay in the same place, but generally you didn't, you see. Well, let me tell you something. David Brash never moved one inch. Laurie, he never ever moved one <laughs> Never ever moved one inch. And, 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 I, and I can still remember it. I can still picture it. The headmaster coming into the class and saying something along the lines of, You've just sat your exams. You're now all in the exact position that you should be in. I always want to tell you guys something. David Brash shouldn't even be in this class. He is a class above you all. That's what he said. I can still remember it. Now I'm beginning to think, hmm. <laughs> that makes me feel good. And I'm thinking, David, I thought, David Brash, what goes on in his brain? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But, you know, you went to see David Brash, and you said, you're coming for a game of football, David. No, I'm just reading this book. 
And David Brash never played sports. And you know, I was thinking about this the other day there. If we had decided we're not going to do the class routine in intellect, we're going to do it in sports. Do you know, and I'll say this, it's such a prophetic gifting, isn't it? I was zoomed up the class, and I would be in first place. Thank you very much. And David Brash would be where Laurie should be. And Laurie would be probably second or third to me. Suddenly, there's a different criteria. Suddenly, there's a different exam. Or it could be another creative gifts. I'd have zoomed back down the class. And other people would have zoomed right up the class. You understand? We're all winners in the talent that God has given us. And so we look at people and we decide, top of the class, bottom of the class. But in what? In what? God doesn't look at us this way. God says to everyone, winner, 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 winner. But you say, Lord, how can you call them a winner? They're not winning. Yeah, but inside they're a winner. They've got Jesus within. They are winning. They're just good at disguising themselves. You may think they're a loser. But then one day, one day, they're going to win. Have you ever come across somebody from the past and you, you expected them to be at a certain level doing certain things and then you meet them and think, wow, where did you get that? Never ever thought. Would that have been possible? They were willing to work and train and embarrass themselves and sweat and discipline themselves so that they could win. God's put inside every single one of us a winning mentality, a winning ability, a winning gift. All we have to do is do what Natalie did, is go, I'm, doing, I'm going to do it. Here we go. Oh, 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 that was painful. That was sore. Oh, I didn't enjoy that. And God says, yes, yes, they did it. They prayed, they shared, they gave, they did whatever I've given them to do. They're starting to use the gift that I've given them. There's no better pleasure than giving someone a gift than going round to their house and you see them using it. Think, wow, I picked well. They're using it. They like it. They love it. You understand? And God's saying, use the gift that I've put in you. And be yourself. Do what suits you. The biggest and the best decision David decided was he had the winning inside, but they were trying to place this loser sort of suit on him. And if he had worn the suit that they wanted to put on him, they would have lost. He would have lost. But because he decided he was going to be himself and do what God had showed him in the mountaintop, he won. So don't try and be Joyce Meyer. Don't try and be T.D. Jakes. Don't try and be Benny Hinn. Benny Hinn's not Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa's not Billy Graham. Jack is not Susan. Susan's not Lydia. Lydia's not Tom. Tom is not Pete. Be yourself. I give you permission to be you. Within limits. <laughs> no, I bid you again. Start to be you. Don't copy anyone else. Don't do what they did. Use the gift that God's 
given you. So in conclusion, read some verses. Be strong in the Lord. Be empowered through your union with Him. Draw your strength from Him. That strength which His boundless might provides. Put on God's whole suit of armor. The suit armor of a heavy armed soldier which God supplies. That you may be able successfully to stand up against all the strategies and the deceits of the devil. For, Freedom Center, we are not wrestling with flesh and blood contending only with physical opponents, but against despotisms, against the powers, against the master spirits who are the world rulers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural sphere. Therefore, put on God's complete suit of armor that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the evil day of danger. And having done all, The crisis demands to stand firmly in your place. Stand therefore, hold your ground, having tightened the belt of truth around your loins and having put on the breastplate of integrity and of moral rectitude and right standing with God and having shod your feet in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability, the promptness and the readiness produced by the good news of the gospel of peace, lift up all over you the covering shield of saving faith upon which you can quench all the flaming missiles of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword that the Spirit wields, which is the word of God. Pray at all times, in every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. To that end, keep alert and watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all the saints who are God's consecrated people. And after you've done that, you are suited and you are booted for your week ahead, your month ahead, your year ahead, your problems, your opposition. You are ready to face all that the enemy has put against you in the valley because you've had a mountain top experience. And when we begin to realize who our God is, we begin to realize who the enemy is and the fact that he's under our feet. And we'll say like David of old, you come to me, Goliath, problem, situation, difficulty, debt, issues. You come to me with a sword, with a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the gods of the armies of Israel, whom you, how dare you, whom you have defied, the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, Jehovah Shammah, ever-present Lord, Jehovah Emmanuel, believe it or not, God with us. God with us, Freedom Center. God with us. 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 You got it? Us. Us. Not them. Us. Not them. Us. Got it? Gifted? Got it? Get it? Got it? Good. Jehovah, God with us. Jehovah El Shaddai, God Almighty. Almighty. In that little skimpy little lad. In these skimpy little people. 
God Almighty and Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Every time you take a step of faith, he provides. Every time you take a step of faith, provides. Every time you take a step of faith, provides. Go that way, he provides. Sorry, Chris. He provides. Every which way. As we move out in our gifting, he's providing. As we take, go for it, step of faith provides. Provides the person you're going to minister to, the situation you're going to speak into. He's provided everything. It's a setup. Your situation's a setup for you to release your gifting. And we sit thinking, oh, I can't do that. No, you can't, but he can. You can't. Natalie shared, didn't she? Oh, these kids, these wrong two or three old kids. And I'm going to prophesy over these kids. And it's just enough just to tell them to shut up. You know, behave. Just get this time over with and get them back to their parents. And God says, no, I've got a bigger purpose. I want to speak through you. What, me? Yes, you. I want to speak through you into that life, into that family, into that bedroom, into that situation, into that day, into that whatever, into that church, whatever. I want to speak through you. I want to enable you. I want you to use your gift. So Susan and I are away for the next few weeks. We're ministering using our gift in America. I want to come home. I want to come home and I want to hear some stories of people taking that step and using their gift. Are you up for that? 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 I'm looking at something in particular. <laughs> Are you up for that? Are you up for that? Using your gift that God has given you, you, your responsibility. It's not to be kept in a safe, in a vault. It's to be used, used out there, used, used made mistakes with it, abuse it, use it, use it, use it. And slowly you begin to craft the gift that God has given you. It's not in its final, wonderful, 100% state. You might think, what, that inclination to do that? I have some words going through my head and, you know, they're telling me it's words of knowledge. I don't know what they are. They're just crazy words. And yes, you'll make mistakes. Make mistakes. We when a little baby starts walking, we don't say, oh, you stupid little child. What are you doing? You can't even walk yet. Oh, you're taking one step. No, we celebrate the first step. Little whoever took their first step today. Mummy's on the phone to daddy. Took it. She, he, she, he. Took the first step. Took the first step. They say, and then they fell down. Do you know, they couldn't even go for a walk. Couldn't even walk the dog. You know, I wouldn't even give a dog into their care. Do you understand? No, they took their first step. And when we take our first step, there's like a praise party in heaven. Heaven rejoices. It's a first step party. First step praise party. And there's going to be some parties in heaven in these next few weeks. And some of us have been sharing with me how they're beginning to take their first step. And I go, yes. Brilliant. I want some more first steps. Okay? Father, I thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love for us. I thank you, that, Lord, that you just love on us, that you want to be with us.
that you want to go through life with us. You want to go through pain with us. You want to go through difficulties with us. You want to go through successes with us. You want to go through things that we enjoy, our relationships, our family, everything, Lord. You want to be with us. You want us to honor you. And Lord, we want to honor you with our gifts. We want to give back to you what you have put in our possession. But we want to multiply it. We want to double it, Lord. We want to craft it. We want, to, Lord, to, to use that talent and take, make it two talents. We want to take those two talents and make it four talents. We want to take these five talents and make it ten talents. Make us mass producers, Lord, of the gifting that you've put on us. Help us to pray over and release the gifting that's in us to other people, Lord Jesus. So that we might be a multi-gifted church for our enjoyment? No, Lord, for the enjoyment of this nation, this locality, the nation, and the nations. That the lamb that was slain might receive the reward of his suffering. That's what it's all about. That the lamb that was slain might receive the reward of his suffering. How rewarding to see your children pushing out the boat into the deep water and going for it. Be with us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Tom. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.